right, thank you for being back in your place uh, tonight. We had a wonderful Sunday morning, and, uh, and thank you for being back here uh, tonight. We're going to preach something. It's not uh, earth-shattering, but it's something as we start the new year again, just some foundational things, and I think some things that would help us as we look to this year and we try to have a spiritual year. And I hope, I really do hope that's your goal, right? Everybody makes, everybody looks to the new year like, what's the resolution, you know, and, and you run out and you buy a treadmill. Yeah. Now, I have found, because we have bought them in the past, that, you know, you can really stack a lot of stuff on there. It has the little things you can hang your clothes to dry, and then you can stack boxes on the middle part. You can get a lot of storage space out of those things, but they, very, they hardly get any usage. If you really want a treadmill, wait about three months and go to OfferUp. And you'll be able to get one at a pretty good price. But I hope that's not our way, that, that way with our spirituality. I hope we look to this year and like, you know, there's some, there's some things I want in my life. And, and that's a good thing. Goals are a good thing. And so um, with the help of the Lord and the help of, uh, of the teaching and church and the fellowship of the brethren, I think you can get to those, to those goals that you set for yourself spiritually. And so let's work together. And I just want to give something. It's just simple and foundational tonight, but it's important because I can, <clears throat> if you look at your life, anybody at their life, and you try to tell, uh, you, you want to know what direction they're going to go or whatever direction they are going, you can look at it and they're going to go that direction or end up where they're at because of the foundation that they have set. Everybody sets foundations in their life. There is something that is, is vitally important to them. There's something that gets their passion and gets all this. You know, it always amazes me when people talk about, well, you know, this thing about church and all that, you ought to just keep it to yourself. Uh, they don't keep other things to themselves. Look at their T-shirts. You can see by the T-shirts they buy what's important to them. And so um, I think we ought to be passionate about Christ, and I think we ought to be passionate about serving him. But we look at the foundation, you can tell. If I see somebody, and I'm not saying this in a judgmental way, and it seems like there's struggles in their life. Now, all of us go through struggles. Don't get me wrong. But they have major, major, major struggles in their life. Something is wrong down at that foundation. And if they don't fix that, all these outward things are still going to be a problem. Uh, we, all heard, we all know of the Leaning Tower of Pisa, right? The, the building, I, uh, I think it's in Italy. It's, it's close to 200 feet tall. All you got to do is look at it, and you can tell there's a problem. Well, they had two problems when they built it. Number one, and of course it was started in the 1100s, so the technology wasn't very good. First of all, they built it in a marshy place where the, the, the dirt for the foundation was very marshy. And not just that, the foundation is only 10 feet deep. There's no wonder it leans. Over the last few years or last couple decades, they had to fix it and, and pump concrete in there to keep the thing from falling over. But the problem with that building is a foundational problem. Spiritually speaking, or just in our lives, things start to go sideways, there's a foundation problem. And so I want to touch on something I think will help us. The problem is that most people are trusting to lives, building a foundation on something that is not true, that is not real. How many ever heard of Manti Teo? Well, he wasn't very popular, but very good. But when he was in college, he was one of the best football players in all of college. Unfortunately, he paid for Notre Dame, so that's kind of like playing for the 49ers. But um, by, by the way, the Rams' backups are better than the 49ers' backups. We found that out today. 
But, um, but, but he was a really good football player. He met this girl online. And they started a relationship. And they got heavy into their relationship. And then tragically, about a year into their relationship, on the very same day, his mother died, his grandmother died, and his girlfriend died. And they heard a lot about that, and he'd play his games, and people were like, you know, well, he's had tragedy in his life and all that, until they found out something, that his girlfriend didn't exist. His girlfriend was a guy online. He had never met the girl, personally. Every time he tried to set it up, she said she lived in Hawaii. He never took the time to go out there. The guy sent her a false picture. He trusted in a girl that didn't exist. She wasn't real. Sad thing is, you know what happens? We do that all the time. We settle for something and we'll bid all our lives on something and it's just not that real. And it's just not true. But there is something that ought to be true and real in our life. And that is God. You say, oh, pastor, we all believe in God. No, 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 no. That's not the question. The question is, is he real to you? We can all say we believe in God's reality. That's not what I asked. I didn't say if you believed in the reality of God. The question is, is he real in your life? That's the question. So many Christians, I believe, struggle in the Christian life because they believe all the right things. They know all the right things, but on a day-to-day -day basis, God is not real to them. Make sure she gets out. We used to have a guy back, some of you old-timers might remember, he would come visit our church when we were over on Pacific, Grant Rice. Anybody remember him? He was an old school, he was an old school, if she needs help, maybe we can help her, but if she's fine, she can sit right there. She, he, he, would, he was an old-time church planter. He would go around, plant churches, get it started, get it established, and he'd go somewhere else. But when, when he came to our church, he would always use this phrase, and I like this phrase. He would always say, the living God. I like that. Because he's not just a belief. He's not just a, he's a living God. He is real. Look up here, please. She'll be fine. She'll be fine. So, we look at the verses here in Genesis. By the way, I like the way when God started the Bible, he didn't, he didn't speak to, to um, necessarily prove his existence. God spoke from the aspect of he is real. And so we look at Genesis chapter 1 and John chapter 1. These are foundational truths. In Genesis chapter 1, we see that God is real and he talks about the realities of, of creation. If you'll look in Genesis chapter 1, there are several phrases that prove these realities, and they are mentioned over and over. One of them is, and God said. He says it over and over, and God said, and God said, and God said. What does that prove? That proves the reality of God's power. How did God make this world? You know what he said? He said something, and it came to pass. All he had to do was speak the word, and it happened. Also, you'll mention the phrase, and it was so. That's the reality of the providence of God. God was in, is in control of everything. He was in control of creation. He was in control of everything that was going on. And then I like that the phrase that's also mentioned is God saw that it was good. God's creation was good. Why? Because he accomplished it through his word. And then we get to John, and it shows that this creator God became flesh in the form of Jesus Christ. 
He is real, but he was part of creation. He was God in the flesh. Here's the point. The Bible just comes forth and says God's a reality. You can't look around without realizing that he is a reality. By the way, no one's born an atheist. How many of you know that? Children, children just naturally believe in a God. They're taught away from that. And so atheism is something we learn and is accept as a substitute so we do not have to believe in a real God. But for us today, our foundation in our life has to be the reality of God, not just in belief, but it has to be on an on a everyday practicing uh, relationship. Let me say this. Many believing Christians are nothing more than practice, practical atheists. We live our lives. We see as many blessings as somebody that doesn't believe in God would see. Because it never gets past here to the way we live every single day. And by the way, if a person is like that, they're missing out. God doesn't want to just be real when we get to heaven and we're with him and we'll spend all eternity. God wants to be real in your life today. God wants to be real when you go to work tomorrow. So how do we make that happen? Well, I want us to focus today, tonight, on some areas where if we are, these areas are a part of our life, it will help us to see God's reality on an every single day. And if God is real in your area, in your life, in these areas, we will see them. As we go forward into 2024, I hope, I hope that's the goal of your life. So let me tell you where God's reality is found. Let me give you a couple thoughts. And you're going to say, this is just too easy. I know. And yet we miss it so often. First of all, his reality is found in the scripture. That's where it's found. Isaiah, you, won't, I, you can turn to it if you want. I'm going to, for sake of time, I'll start reading it. But Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10 and 11. It says, for as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. I mean, it rains and it helps the crops and it helps us produce food. Verse 11, so shall my word that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. You see, if you're a farmer, if farmers understand this, they have to have the right uh, weather conditions and they have to have rain to help take care of the crops so that they'll grow. And it's a natural thing. And God says, just like that, I send forth my word and it's going to accomplish exactly what I want it to accomplish. Just like in Genesis 1. And God said, and it was so. God's word is a reality. The problem is, if we don't allow God's word to work in our heart, we're not going to see God work. We say, well, what's the, what's the, what helps me in every area of my life? God's word helps us. That's why it's vitally important. We do it every year, and we encourage you. And you got a Bible reading calendar. And if that's the one you want to use, use it, but make sure you use it. Get into the Bible and spend time. That was kind of weak, by the way. Because the Bible is foundational. Yeah, it's easy to show up on Sunday, and thank you for being here. You're the core crowd. But, but God doesn't just want you in church services, although he wants you in church services. God wants you in his word with him each and every day. God's word. God's word is so powerful. He used it to create this world. 
I always think of that story with Peter. He was in the boat, and he says, Jesus, can, can I walk on the water also? And Jesus gave him one word. That's it. All he said was, come. Peter didn't need a, uh, he didn't need a map. He didn't need instructions. Well, how do I come? Should I climb up first and jump in? Or he just heard one word, come, and out over the edge of the boat he went into the water. He got enough power out of one word to walk on water. Don't you think we can get enough power out of his word to live a righteous life? Don't you think we can get enough power out of his word on a daily basis to get through the problems that we'll face? God's word. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The word quick means it's alive, it's living. This is not a dead book. You hear people say, well, that was written thousands of years ago. The world has changed. I know it's changed. It's changed for the worse because it's gotten away from what this book says. This book is as practical today as it was when it was written. The problem isn't the word of God. The problem is we ain't listening to it. It's alive. It's powerful. It gets right to the crux of the matter. Have you ever, had the, have you ever read the Bible or looked at a verse and it just got you? And it's like, maybe you're going through a t tough time and you open the Bible that day and you read it and you get just the thing you needed for that day. God knew that. God knew that. His reality is found in Scripture. You say, Pastor, I, I don't feel like I got that. Are you in his word? Are you open to listening to what he is trying to say, with you, say to you? We have to be willing to listen to him. Because you know what happens? If we're not careful, we start to get hard-hearted inside, do we not? And, and we, start to, we start to struggle with them things. And the Word of God just gets right in there and says, let me take care of that for you. It's almost like spiritual surgery. We need God's Word. So we enter this new year. I, I, I beg of you, get into His Word. I don't care what you got to do. Don't, don't be one. I know most people, the church says we should read our Bible this year. Oh, here it is right here. The church says we should read our Bible this year, and I'm, I'm on pace. Great, that's seven days. Where are we at today, huh? I have my own Bible reading schedule. But, uh, oh, look, because I, I, I read a little bit different. But, oh, Genesis chapter 18 and 19 and Matthew chapter 6. Say, Pastor, I'm there. Okay, let me open this up. Where are you going to be on June uh, 11th when we're reading Ezra 1 and 2? You know what I hope, I, and I'm not trying to be sarcastic here, I hope this isn't sitting in your Bible and it's only marked off to like February 3rd, okay? You say, Pastor, I get busy. I know, we're all busy. But all of us find time to eat, right? Come on now. You know what? No one's going to wake up tomorrow and say, man, I got so busy yesterday, I forgot to eat. Come on now, I'm looking around here. Y'all are doing pretty good, okay? Secondly, his reality is found in prayer. Jer I love Jeremiah 33.3, teaching the kids we used to see on the bus all the time. Call unto me, and I will answer thee. <coughs> Not just answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. James tells us in James chapter 4, verse 2, you have not because you ask not. Say, what's going on in my life and all these things? Man, God's doing those things in your life. Are you spending time with him? 
Nothing shows the reality of God than when we're willing to spend time in prayer. And of all the spiritual disciplines, I think this might be the hardest. I used to think that giving was the hardest. The the, The last to start and the first to go. I think it's praying. It's easier even just to read your Bible. Come on now. But to get down on your knees and spend time with God, that's hard. I don't know what it is. I think it's because it's a spiritual battle and Satan hates that and he fights that. But we need to see God do things. So often we try to just soldier on. I don't need God's help. God tells us we ought to pray for our daily provisions. How about that? How about if what we, and this is convicting to me as well, how about if we only got the provisions during the, we, get, we need each and every day to the degree that we prayed? Okay. I don't want to hear that. So you turn these off here so that you guys are listening. I'm not hearing it. Huh? Ouch. Ouch. No one prays too much. I know that. And I'm not saying you need to fall on your face and sit there for four hours, but we need to be in prayer. And not just our time when we speak to God. There ought to just be times throughout the day when something comes up. We don't have to stop and go through a 75-point prayer. We just stop and say, Lord, can you help in that situation? I hear prayer requests all the time. You can go on social media and hear prayer requests. And, and if we had a list of everything, it'd go on forever. But when I hear things like that, I, some of them I do add to the list, but others of them I just like, right there, I'm going to stop and pray right there because it's on my mind. But we need to spend time in God. Why? Why? Because we see it as a waste of time because we really don't think that God will show us great and mighty things. I think what God does in our church is a result of prayer. And I hope you're a part of that. One of my favorite times I like, I mean, Saturday morning we have, it's, no, it's not a long thing, but we have prayer together. We show up. By the way, I encourage you to come to that. Some of you come to Faithfulness Rally, and I'm not keeping track of who, and you miss prayer meeting. Come to prayer meeting. Just, we go over a prayer list. We add some prayers. People have prospects. They'll pray for Pray for my cousin or pray for this person I met. And then I like when we do hear sometimes from them back, like, hey, that thing we prayed for, it happened. Oh, that's God. Prayer. What if we feel that God is not listening? Sometimes it's because we're just impatient. We're praying selfishly. We're, maybe we're disobedient and causing a, a malfunction, right? You know Isaiah. He said, the Lord's hand is not shortened. He says, but your iniquities have separated. Sometimes, by the way, prayer is good for us because it cleans us up. You say, I can't think of any, you want to you know God's reality? I can't think of anything I'm doing wrong. Get on your knees tonight and say, Lord, what am I, Lord, I want to confess my sins. You'll get a list. God will bring things to your mind. Come on. You ever do something and you know it's wrong and all of a sudden you feel bad about it? Who's doing that? That's God. That's the spirit of God. You know why? He wants us to take the God and say, God, that was, that was dumb of me. That was wrong. I don't want to do that anymore. Prayer. Ask yourself this question and we'll move on. Could you prove the reality of God to somebody by the time that you spend in prayer? And I know this is a point we all need to work on, and, and I've read all the biographies of the great men, and say, I've read about uh, George Mueller, and I'm like, man, <laughs> you read people like that, it's like, do I need to check myself. Do I even know God? This guy had something going on. He ran orphanages in the 1800s, and he didn't ask for a penny from anybody. He wouldn't. 
He said, I just take my needs to God. God provided for him in miraculous ways. If you would have went to George Mueller and said, hey, you run this orphanage. Is there anything I can do for you? He goes, I tell God. And if you want to do something for the orphanage, you ask God what he wants you to do. I think God was real to him. Next, his reality is found, I know you won't like this one, in giving. In giving. Say, oh, you're a pastor. You're supposed to talk about tithing. I know, I know. Malachi 3.10, you know it, but let me show it to you. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house to take care of the needs of uh, that time. It would be the temple. Now it's through the church. And he says, and prove me now herewith. You see that? You see what he's telling us to do comes with a promise. God says, if you give to me and you you, you do what I say in giving, I will prove my reality in your life. And by the way, if you've given, you've known that. If you, I, there was times in our life when times are tight and we always gave and God took care of us. And I'm not going to go through the stories. I've given them before. But God meets the needs of his people. But not if we are clinging on tightly to what we have. And this is one area of scripture where God says, go ahead, put me to the test. Right? You ever hear people brag about something? I'm good at this, man. I can do this. It's like, prove it. Prove it. That's the tough part. God says, prove my reality in your life by obeying me and giving. He goes, go ahead, put me to the test. I'm up to it. You know, I think he did that for one reason, because he knew this would be hard for us. Right? It is hard. But he says, go ahead, put me to the test. Let me see if that'll... It, you, can, you can prove me. Many years ago, there was a preacher in the South and his church, was 1800s, early 1900s, and they, they were having a service and they were singing that song, Take My Life and Let It Be. How many of you know that? I love that hymn. There's a little phrase in there. Take my silver and my gold, not one might would I behold. After they sang that verse, he got up and he said, stop. He goes, hey, listen to me. They were singing very loud. He goes, we're gonna re-sing that verse. And he read that. He says, if that's not true in your life, don't you dare sing it because that's a lie. It was quiet in there. People thought about that. There was another old-time preacher. And one time they were taking the offering and he got down. It was, you know, one of those churches with the two, you know, pews, middle aisle. He just walked down the aisle following the ushers, watching what everybody put in. And afterwards, he went up there. He goes, how many of you were uncomfortable when I did that? And they were like, yeah, we, yeah you know, they were thinking it. Now you ask, like, well, since you brought it up. Like, yeah, we were. He goes, I'm not going to watch what you give each week, but you know God does. See, God's real. And we like all the <coughs> quote, unquote, spiritual things. But God says you can prove me in the material things as well. We know that by giving to God... <coughs> We can get by on less. And I know this is California, I get it. But you know God's alive in California as well. We have all these dreams we're talking about here. And by the way, let me say this. Um, our church is really good about giving. They're, they're helping her, don't worry about it. Well, she's fine. Our church is really good with giving. You've been fantastic. I mean, I don't know how many times over the last few years, Brother Tongdi was one of them, or Brother Lewis, or, or Brother... Uh, Brother Board's, um, their building program, 
Maybe you could just take her out. That would be fine. Just, just help her. She's having some issues. Let's pray for her. Why don't we bow our heads so they can do this. Father, we pray you would be with Caitlin. We know she's having some issues, and I know what they are, Lord. She's fighting, and I pray you'd bless. In Jesus' name, amen. But um, back to the reality here. But we, over the years, over the last couple of years, we've had different projects that have come in. It's like they need this much money or they need this much money. And I'm like, I just asked our church, let's take an offering to see what we can do to help. And we've exceeded every single time. Okay, every single time. I mean, how many cows do you have now, Brother Tongdi? 20. Did they all come from the original five we bought? Wow, see that? We're having fruit that's bearing. Because we got some guys and some girls, right? Good. I told him we bought five of them. You have to name them after the pastoral staff. So how many calves does Brother Ross have? I'm just kidding. <laughs> but if we're going to accomplish more, you understand what that takes, right? Sometimes it takes finances. Next, his reality is found when we witness. Matthew chapter 28, we know these. It's the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And we understand all that. But listen what the end of this. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, here's the phrase. I am with you, what? Always. The hardest thing to do, it seems like a very hard thing to do when you're a new Christian and you start growing is to go talk to somebody about the Lord. Right? How I many? That's That was difficult when you did that. They're going to get mad, they're going to slam the door, they're not going to take the track. And that can be pretty daunting. Except that when you know this one thing, when you do that, you're not with yourself. You're not by yourself. He says, I'm with you when you're doing that. When you're talking about me and you're going up and talking to other people, I know I've had this, okay? And I'm probably judging people and that's wrong, so pray for me. But I've went up to people and either knocked on their door and I've seen them come or I've met them somewhere and I'm going to give them a track and I'm like, this person isn't going to take it. Come on, how many, how many know I'm talking about? And then you give it to them and that person is like, hey, thank you. Or they'll sit there and listen to you. You know why? Because sometimes we judge people on the outside and we shouldn't. But you know why? Because God's like, go there. I, I've already... I've already watered this situation. You don't know what's going on in their life. In fact, they wanted you to come. John just told me a story. Today, I won't go to the story, but they went soul winning. There was a man having health issues. You don't mind me saying this. And, and he just got out of the hospital, and he was like, God, I want, you know, if, you, if I get well, I want to go back to church and do these things. He just got out. He went to the store. There's John and PK. They gave the guy a track. He's been coming ever since. He's like, I, was, I, I told God that, and you guys just happened to come. They didn't just happen. God is there. And so it's found in witnessing. I know it's a daunting task. But I I have found this. I'll just be honest with you. People are more open than we think they are. Uh, There's some people like, no, thank you. And by the way, we're not acting like knuckleheads. Why? You want to go to hell? Come on now. Argue with people? Okay, thank you. But you know what? There's a lot of people out there, they're confused about what's going on around here. They're, they're thinking about their families. They're thinking about the future. They're thinking about the problems they're going through. Could it be they could, you, you could be used of God to help them? God's real when we go out. Next, 
And we mentioned this this morning. I won't spend time. We only have a couple more. His reality is found in assembling. We know the verses. Matthew chapter 18, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And I like Psalm 27, 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And he gives a reason why. To behold the beauty of the Lord. Do you ever think, do you think about the Lord more when you're here? By the way, they, you won't if you're, if you're talking or playing on your phone. Okay? Let's make sure we're paying attention when we're in church. Okay, but, but you hear, I hear the songs. Thank you, I love, that's one of my favorites, Karina. You sang that today. But I hear the songs and, and I think about the Lord. I like those songs. They, they speak to me. And I hope they speak to you as well. Okay, I like to hear the hymns. It's one of my favorites. Sing and I go. Brother, Brother, Brother Granny knows my favorites. He plays them sometimes. Not enough for my liking, but that's okay. He's trying to play your favorites as well. I think mine are more important than yours, but whatever. All right. But, but do you ever think about those? Those were important in the early days of my Christian life. When I went in the church, there was one thing I said I'll never listen to. I said, I'm not going to listen to that Christian music. Listen, the music I listened to in the world had, was nothing like that. And I'm like, I can't listen to that stuff anymore, but this church music's a little weird. I'm not going to listen to this stuff. I'll just come to church, and they can sing and all that. After a couple months, I'm like, I had a desire for that. And I started, God gave me a love for that, and I still have those. But assembling, being together at church, we experience the Lord together. And I, it's like I mentioned this morning, I won't belabor the point. When you become distant in, your, distant in your church attendance, mark my word, you're going to become distant in your relationship with God. There's just no way around it. I don't know anybody that quit going to church that came to me and said, after I quit going to church, my relationship with God, his reality was greater in my life. Not one, there never will be. Okay? So we need to be together. It's a great and wonderful thing. Make sure that you stay with it. Make sure that we're faithful. Let me just say this. We need faithfulness. The greatest need, if we're going to have more church this year and accomplish any of the things that we're setting out to do, we need people who are faithful. And by the way, you're here on Sunday night, so that's part of it. Can I, can I, can I just say this, though? Let's be faithful in every aspect of church. If you serve in a ministry, be faithful. Don't be late. Don't miss. We can't magically have people pop up, okay? We need people that are in their place. Now, that was really weak, by the way. Real, in their place, on time. If your ministry has a meeting, show up to it, okay? Those are important because I, I, don't, I don't want things just, just you know, disorganized and, and, and people showing up and no one's there because they didn't know what's going on. That's why we have these meetings, practicing and so forth. Let's be in our places. Let's be faithful, and by the way, you can enjoy fellowship in those times as other times as well. But we need people that they're in on the gathering together. And by the way, let me just say this and we'll move on. We need the good influence of being around good godly people. We do. When I was youth director, whenever I dealt with problems, and, and we had a little bit in the early days of our church, we had a little bit of a rougher crowd that was coming. Okay? And, and whenever I had problems, I was dealing with problems, 95% of the time, it was their influences. They started hanging around somebody, they started being influenced by something else. 
And then I started working more with adults, and I realized this, the same with adults. And we have influences everywhere. We have social media, the things that are thrown on television. By the way, you don't understand the world is an enemy to the things of God. They're always going to portray the things of God in a negative light. And I will say this, sometimes people who are spiritual do things that, 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 that make that light brighter. I'm not naive. And it's, by the way, it's not just our brand of church. It's every brand of church. It always has been. I mentioned that this morning. And I'm sad when that happens. But let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just because somebody else did something that, that they will stand before God for doesn't mean Christianity is bad and church is bad. It means that person had issues. And so let's make sure. Next, his reality is found in growth. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We understand that verse. We know what it says. We're saved. We're supposed to be different. We're not supposed to be like we were before. But I think we missed the one phrase there that's super important. If any man be in Christ, that's the key. You know why we're different? We're not different because we put more effort in. We're different because we're in Christ. He is in us. And he is working in our life. It's not what we're doing. It's what he's doing. And when he is working in our life, can I just tell you, and we're growing in our faith, he's going to be real to us. The things that take place in our life as we grow, and we're excited about getting in his word and doing things for him. It's because of him we're going to go closer to him because it's a relationship. Your Christianity, because you're in Christ, ought to make you better in every area. If you're saved and Christ is in you, you ought to be a better spouse. I didn't say perfect. I said better. We ought to be better parents. We ought to be better family members. We ought to be better employees. Ouch. It was Jonathan Edwards, the revivalist of the 1700s. I'm not, I don't have the quote in front of me, but I know what he said. He said, listen, if it is not evident to everybody in your life, the family at your house, the people you work with, even your dogs and cats, that you are different, something's wrong. Why? Because of me? No, because I'm in Christ. How can I be in Christ and not be different? How can Christ be in me and I not be different? It's just a natural, natural growth. I'm hastening. Next, his reality is found in obedience. John 14, thank you, I got one of those. John 14, 15, if you love, if you love me, <coughs> keep my commandments. So what is <coughs> the, the, the genesis or basis of my obedience? I love Christ. Sounds like a relationship to me. Sounds that he's real in my life and I love him. And then eight verses later in verse 23 of the same chapter, John says, John, Jesus answered and said unto him, if any man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and will come unto him and make our abode with him. You see, listen to me. God's not gonna be real in the life of a person who is disobedient to him. And it's not because he doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to be close to you. It's what you're doing is keeping him away. 
We say we love him, and yet our life, we're pushing him away. He wants to be close to us. Yes, we like to listen sometimes to what he said. We might even learn some truths, but do we really want to live what the Bible tells us to do? If there's a distance between you and God, let me just say this. You're the one. I would be the one that made that distance. He didn't do it. I already mentioned the verse. Your iniquities have separated. See? That's how sin is. Sin was so bad, God had to, God had to come down and, be, and take flesh to die for our sins. And you think just because we're saved, it's okay for us to sin, and that will not affect the closeness in our life? It's going to. That's like saying I'm married and all we ever do is have problems between us and, and we're still supposed to be close. It's not going to happen that way. And then lastly, and this goes with the point, we're done. <clears throat> His reality is found in righteousness. Matthew 5.8, blessed are the pure in heart. What, what happens? For they shall see God. You want to see God work in your life? You have got to strive to be righteous. You don't have to be perfect. None of us will be. But if our life is not built each and every day, getting up saying, listen, I want to live this day with my Lord, and I don't want to do anything that would dishonor him, if that's not what you think, it's going to have a hard time seeing God every day in your life. God wants to be close to you. And as I mentioned, don't, you don't quit using grace as an excuse. Well, you know, I'm saved by grace and my sins are forgiven. I can do what you want. Yeah, I can do what I want. All of that's true. Except you need to go a little farther. You can do what you want, but God doesn't, is not pleased with you doing what, with what you want. And when you do what you want, you're not doing what God wants. And yeah, you know, I won't go to hell. By the way, I'm starting to question when people are, when someone can say that, it doesn't matter how I live, I'm saved by grace, I can do whatever I want. Maybe it's just me. I'm starting to question their salvation. Because I don't think you really understand grace. Because I don't think you really understand sin. Sin's horrible. It's bad. That's why Jesus had to die for it. And to think we sin, and I'm not saying all of us need grace because we all sin. I'm not saying that. But if we have this mindset that's warped and we've learned it from somebody probably on Christian radio that it doesn't matter how we live because we're saved, that's not of God. And you're not close to God. You can say whatever you want. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God says two words. God forbid... That's his way of saying, no, you can't do that. Now, I'm thankful for God's grace that when I do sin, I can get forgiveness. And I'm thankful for his grace because if I understand his grace, it helps me to know that I'm dead to sin. How shall you that are dead to sin live any longer therein? But let's not use an excuse. I want to see God work. I don't want to have my own way. And far too often in my life, I've, 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 I've made choices sometimes that are my own way. And that's not the right way. I want to see God. It's a new year. So let me ask you this. Do you want to see God in your life? Do you want God to be more than just up here? Do you want to know that God is real and he works in your life? You say, Pastor, Pastor, those are all just super simple things. I thought we'd start the year with something super simple. But in every one of those... He made a point to say, 
You're going to see me if you do these things. If you are, if this is a part of your life, I'm going to be closer to you and I'm going to be real to you. Here's the point. And by the way, let me just say this and we're done. I'm not talking about this spooky nonsense. I had a dream last night. I woke up at four. There was a light in my room. Listen, if I wake up before there's a light in my room, I'm turning it off. I'm tired. I had a dream. And, and I saw this 600-foot Jesus. Okay, good for you. That's not of God. We all have, how many of you have ever had a weird dream? See, if you want to believe that weird dream about God was true, then my wife would have to believe the dream that King Kong stepped on me one time. That's the truth. King, she had a, I had a dream last night, King Kong stepped on you. I'm like, well, that's encouraging. I wasn't fast enough to get away. Could it at least be Godzilla? That sounds cooler, right? But, but do you really want to see God in a real way, not some manufactured way? Then maybe these practical areas in our life, maybe we're struggling in one of these areas. If we get back online, guess what? He'll be real. Let's stand together this evening. Thank you for listening. We had our challenges this evening for a few minutes here, but thank you. <clears throat> Here's the question. Is God real? And is he real in your everyday life? It's nice to know, you know, that <clears throat> as I go through my life and I live every day that he is there. What did he say? I will never leave thee nor for safety. So if I'm not feeling God in my life and I feel like he's left me and I feel like he's forsaken me, who's the one who's left? It's me. Is God real? May 2024 be a year where in your life and in my life and in the life of our church that God is real to us in a re on a daily basis. I don't want to get to the point where I'm just visiting God at church on Sunday. Because I got other days of the week where I need him. Is God real? What, what area are you struggling with? <coughs> Hannah's going to play the piano. Why don't you come? By the way, one of the ways God is real is he speaks to us as we hear the truth taught. We hear the scriptures. We respond, Lord, thank you for that.